welcome to The Uncensored Mom. I'm your host, Jessica Parada. I'm a mama to two kiddos under three and a wife to an amazing husband, Oscar. If you have a mother's heart, whether you're a mom already or trying to have a baby, this podcast is for you. I'm on a mission to speak truth about being pregnant, giving birth, postpartum life, being a mom, and everything in between. On the days you feel crazy, I'm here to let you know you're not crazy and to tell you that you are enough. You're beautiful, you're amazing, you're doing enough, and you are so loved. I believe you can have it all. You can be a mom and live the life of your dreams. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Uncensored Mom Podcast. This is your host, Jessica Parada. Right now, I'm in beautiful Jacksonville Beach, Florida, and I did initially record this outside this morning, but you can hear the cicadas. It's so loud. It literally sounds like something's wrong with the audio, but it was just them. Like, it is, they're so loud here, and I am right now in the bedroom, and there's no AC because our AC went out, and it's getting fixed here in the Airbnb, so little craziness, but just so happy and blessed to be on vacation And then to be bringing this parenting episode to you. So yes, we're talking about all things parenting today with Tamara Iglesias. Tamara Iglesias is the founder of Wellness. She's a wellness and mama coaching brand dedicated to empowering families to live fully whole and nourished lives. As a mama coach and a mother, she's deeply passionate about raising whole beings from the very beginning. She believes our children have the power to heal the world. Tamara's deepest passion is to shift the way we raise children in this country and support the families and caregivers doing so. With a focus on respect, trust, and true empowerment through conscious words, actions, boundaries, quality time, and slowing down, children can truly thrive. Setting intentions and putting time and energy into our parenting approach can bring ease to the entire family unit, something she deeply believes in and is deeply desired in every family unit, just having that ease. Wellness's accessible approach weaves together personalized programs comprised of whole foods, self-care, conscious parenting, movement, meditation, healing botanicals, ancient healing modalities, essential oils, and much more. And most importantly, guidance through the continual continual journey of self-awareness and self-love as true wholeness comes from within. When these two worlds meet conscious parenting and whole life wellness, the entire family unit is supported and change can happen. So I had initially asked you guys on my Instagram and also in my Facebook group, the Uncensored Mom Tribe. I'll make sure to link that below in the show notes if you haven't joined that our tribe on Facebook. I had asked what parenting questions y'all have, so we do get to them. So make sure you listen to the entire episode because your question will come up. And she has just so many amazing tips. It's so, 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 so good. Like I was listening to it as I was editing it. And it's just like, I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Like I would pause it. I was like, Oscar, listen to this, my husband. I was like, listen to this. So it's so good. She just talks about all the things. So I'm really excited that she came onto the podcast to chat with us. I'm so honored. And also make sure to check out the show notes where you can find all her information and where to find her. She does live in California, but she does virtual consultations. Also, she has events 
and I attended one over FaceTime. She's in California, and I'm in, in Georgia, and I attended the event uh, virtually. So it was really cool, like so, so much good information, and I was able to ask um, my questions about Dominic and my life personally, and she was able to answer them for me. So if you want more personalized stuff with her, then definitely uh, reach out to her. And if you love this episode, which I know y'all are going to love this episode, (laughs) make sure you subscribe here on iTunes and rate and review. And that will mean so much to me. It really helps support content creation for me and also to bring on a lot of guests on the podcast. So y'all have all the good information about mamahood and all the things. So thank you so much for listening and let's get into it. All right, Tamara, I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you so much for being on the Uncensored Mom podcast because I know that there are so many mamas who are going to really love your words of wisdom. I'm so excited. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, I don't, I can't remember how I found you. I found you on Instagram, of course. I don't know. Oh, you know what? I, I found you from another podcast. That's what it was. I found you from... Another podcast, I think, was it the Elevate the Glow podcast? Yeah, that could be it. The Elevator podcast. Elevator, yeah. Mm -hmm. It was that one. And I was like, let me go check her out. (laughs) Like, she, I loved that episode. And so I found her on Instagram and I said, I'm just going to follow her (laughs) because I love her stuff. So you guys, um, she's on Instagram. We'll talk all about where she's at, but... I love, love watching your stories with your little girl. I lo- she's, you're just so inspiring. You know, you really are. So I want to, I want to let people know that. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yes. Well, that's a really big question. So I'll just share a little bit about my work and my life. I am a single mama to the most amazing, almost five-year-old. She is truly the light of my life and my inspiration for the work that I do, which has completely shifted since she was born. Um, Just a little bit about my background. I actually worked on Wall Street for almost a decade. So I was in the finance space. And um, at the same time, um, as I started my finance career or my Wall Street career, I also got my first health coaching certification. So wellness was always my passion, was always kind of a background of mine. Um, And then about 10 years ago, I left Wall Street and decided to take the wellness path as my career. I realized I could do my passion um, for my purpose in this world. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, that shifted one more time um, when I was pregnant and had my daughter. And I just saw this really big need to kind of change the parenting conversation and elevate um, the way that we were raising our children. And I didn't really have the resources I wanted around raising my girl. So I ended up developing a lot of this work and and my daughter was my inspiration, my sweet girl. Um, So now I'm a conscious parenting coach and I work with new moms and, and fathers and parents and Basically, I help them kind of reprogram and rewire um, their role as parents. Um, I believe that parenting is an opportunity to evolve, and our children are here to give us that space to find our triggers, to ask the questions of why we're doing what we're doing, and to 
change the focus of raising our children as whole beings from the very beginning. That's Wellynest is my company, and that's my tagline. It's about raising whole beings from the very beginning, and really the way that we view our children, the way that we talk to our children, the way that we um, engage with our children. So this is that's my work on in a nutshell. There's so much more. Um, I know. So who I am and what I'm about. And I live in California and I'm definitely a holistic mama and I integrate the entire picture of wellness and wholeness into my coaching because I don't think you can really truly be a conscious parent if you're not incorporating self-care and taking care of yourself and, and bringing some as- environmental aspect and home aspect in and community, all these things, nourishment are deeply, deeply important for you and your children and partner and family. Yeah. Absolutely. I know. I absolutely love that because I definitely see that struggle within the mom community with our children and with the lack of self-care. So that's, it makes it difficult. And then, you know, our husbands, that's a different story with that because they don't have a lot of support either, you know? So it's really great that you work with families to, like you said, raise whole beings And I really want to go into that a little bit because a lot of times, so let's go into the word discipline. So that's something that I hear a lot. It's like, how do I discipline my child? How do I discipline them to do this, this, that? So can you tell me a little bit about that word? (laughs) Because I know the background about that word and uh, uh, some tips on how to change that within the family dynamic. Yeah. So I don't really believe in the word discipline. Um, I think discipline is kind of like do what I say. And I don't think that's a way to cultivate a really strong relationship. I also don't think it's the most respectful approach with dealing with any child or any human. And I really think the conversation should be brought to the fact that this is human to human interaction. Like our children are still, like I said, whole beings. They're still humans. They're not less than, and they shouldn't be treated as such. I really am not a fan of discipline. I'm a fan of boundaries and limits and consistency and building four pillars, four walls within your child's home that they get to be free within. So the consistency, the safety, the limit setting comes from you as a parent with your boundaries. And there's all types of boundaries, right? There's your top tier boundaries that are all about safety and non-negotiable, right? Then there's your home boundaries, the one that you and your partner, you know, or you're on your own if you're a single mama that you determine on or a single papa, you determine within the home. And then there's boundaries outside the home. And there's the ones that are flexible and the ones that aren't. And this is something that a parent or a caregiver has to be completely willing to be consistent with. In order for a child to listen to a boundary or a limit, it has to be consistent. They have to trust that the natural consequence is actually going to happen when you instill a boundary. Like when I work with my parents, I always call it the one, two, three boundary setting. Like you state the boundary, you state the boundary and the natural consequence, and then you state the boundary again and the natural consequence happens. It's not this like give and take where the parent gets like so strung out and worn out. And then it's just like an argument, you know, you're going back and forth and, and what we're then teaching the child in that moment, because we're constantly 
I like to call it contracts. We're constantly making contracts with our children. If you do this, I do this. You do this, I do this. And we have to be willing to like sign that contract if we're doing something over and over again. So if we make a boundary or a discipline into a game and then we get frustrated when our children aren't listening, at the end of the day, we made that contract, right? So we've got to break that contract or reprogram or rewire or whatever you want to say for them to listen. So I don't believe, I don't believe really in like the no word. I think you're missing out on a teaching moment. I actually really love conflict with other children. It's an opportunity to get in, you know, to hear the children, to help them in conflict, which is a great moment of cultivating empathy and compassion in another child. Like if you can direct the child's kind of focus and energy by modeling yourself to that child, then that that's how you like naturally organically cultivate empathy in another child. So yes, I'm not a fan of no. I think when you say no, you're missing language opportunity, connection opportunity, teaching opportunity. So I use words like, I don't want you to touch that. That's not safe. I can't let you touch that. Or I don't want you to bump on my body. That's too much for me. I'm going to move away versus no. What does no mean? You know, what are you saying? Like if, if you came up to me and I was just like, no, you'd be like, no, no, what? Yeah. You'd probably feel disrespected, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So I think it's important in every moment that we're speaking to our children to have an intention behind it. Like, where am I coming from? You know, where's my energy in this moment? What am I trying to model for my child? Because mm -hmm. really, I don't believe it's our role to teach. I believe it's our role to model behavior and then allow the organic, authentic development of our child. And that's how we honor their unique individual self. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times since following you and um, also doing more of my own um, building knowledge on conscious parenting and whatnot, I always put it in the perspective of how would that make me feel. And although I know that their brain capacity is obviously not our brain capacity, right? They have, there's so many parts of their brain that are growing and whatnot. And so I try to think, okay, how would that make me feel? And I tell my husband that I say, if we, if you did that, if I did that to you, would you be annoyed? Would you be frustrated? Would you be confused? And he's like, well, yeah. I'm like, and you're an adult. <laughs> you're an adult who like understands. Can you imagine a kid, you know? And also like, I mean, they're, they feel already, little in their bodies and whatnot. And then we're saying no. And it's like, we're taking away all this power. And I feel like it, it makes them frustrated, you know? And that's when, that's when I feel, I hear so many mamas like get overwhelmed and, and like go hide in the bathroom. Like that's a thing that I hear a lot, hide in the bathroom. And I love how you said like, oh, you know, you're bumping into my body. I don't, what did you say? What are the words? I want to make sure I say it right. I don't want you to bump in. I don't want you to mm -hmm. bump on my body. It's mm -hmm. too much. Yeah. Yeah. Like soon, soon I'm going to move away. I don't want mm -hmm. my body to get bumped. Mm -hmm. you know? and, yeah. and then the natural consequence, you know, and obviously every scenario is different. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Just like anyone else, a child wants mm -hmm. to be heard. Mm -hmm. They want to be 
be validated. Even yeah. if we, we don't have to agree with our children, we can still mm -hmm. hear them and validate them. This is how we cultivate a voice in our children. This mm -hmm. is how we empower them to speak up for themselves. Mm -hmm. If we're constantly telling them what to do, how are they going to go out into the world and be with other people, mm -hmm. you know? And they are experiencing the world on a much more sensitized plane. You know, everything mm -hmm. is bigger to them. So mm -hmm. imagine if someone was yelling at us, like yelling at a child, it's so much more. And remember, their nervous system is still getting programmed zero to seven. This is when, you know, their entire nervous system is getting programmed. So we have the opportunity to, you know, either pass down our fears and insecurities and, um, or we can cultivate a different type of self-worth in our child mm -hmm. so that they aren't left with this childhood trauma that so many of us are. You know, a lot of my work as a coach has been unraveling my own work. Like my daughter is my teacher. You know, every moment when I feel like I'm about to cross over the edge, you know, my, my breath brings me back to my reality, which is normally this is not my daughter's stuff. This is mine. And I need to take a breath. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. It is. And it's so true. And it's, <clears throat> I tell people, I remember things from like when I was a little kid and I don't have the full memories, but I have the emotions behind it. Yeah. And that's crazy. And it always pulls me back because when I found, I find myself yelling and whatnot, I remember that. And I remember the emotions of like, I don't, I don't understand. And you, we do want to teach our kids by modeling the behavior of, you know, stating what you want and how you feel. And when I go hide, I'm not saying that I do, I've never done this, but I've had the thoughts because it's so common in, in our community to be like, just go hide, just go away from, from them for a little, right. Or let them cry it out. I know that's a different topic, but I am teaching my kids like, okay, I, I'm pushing you away. I don't want you, you know, I'm not, I'm not speaking, you know, how I feel. I'm just running away. And that's because that's what I saw, you know, and I love that we're changing that dynamic and changing that to like, you can, you can tell, you can talk to a two-year-old and tell them these things. You know, I feel like so many moms feel, and not just moms, just parents feel that we can't talk to our children because they don't understand. They don't get it. They don't know what we're saying, but they do. They yeah. do get it. And then it's that repetition of consistently modeling that behavior. So then they see it and they understand it. And I know I see it within my own son that as I model behavior, he starts to like understand. And it's such an amazing, beautiful thing to see. Yeah. It's also, are we giving our children an opportunity to rise to the level that we're meeting them at? If we have this expectation that our children don't understand, we're not even giving them an opportunity to, you know, they can feel us. Like there's, there's two tiers of not, I mean, there's many tiers, but there's two tiers of communication. It's energetically how we're showing up to the conversation for our child. Like, do we believe in them? Are we setting unnecessary expectations? Do we trust our children? And then what we say. And if those two aren't in alignment, it's a very confusing conversation to our child. You know, they can feel us. Mm -hmm. They can feel if we are ready to set a boundary or if we're confused. They can feel if we're upset and if we're faking it and pretending that we're okay. So <laughs> the best route is just to be honest. Yeah. One vow that I took when I had my daughter 
that was really important to me is I, I said, I'm never going to lie to my child. I don't want to lie to her on any level. Like a lot of times that will be part of discipline, right? Like, oh, if you don't eat your dinner, we're not going to Disneyland. Like, and at the end of the day, that's most likely a lie, you yeah. know? And like, how are you, how is that cultivating trust within your relationship? And if your child can't trust you, then they can't really feel safe. And if they can't feel safe, they don't get to be a child within the relationship, you know, or they have to take on a different role. So, you know, that's a, those are some of the greatest pillars in the work that I do is how are we cultivating trust? Mm -hmm. How are we cultivating respect? And are we giving our children the attention that they so desire? And then are we taking care of ourselves and modeling self-care? I think that those four are kind of like the foundation of this work. And then obviously there's lots of branches from there. That's, but that's kind of the roots, you know, of where I come from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, talking about self-care, let's go ahead and um, transition into that. Because you guys, if you, <laughs> if you want to see how to incorporate your kids into self-care, you need to follow her because it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. When I found out your, your daughter was five, I was like, what? <laughs> It's not that she's almost five, four. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. So, (laughs) wow. It's, it's so, so beautiful. And to see her interact with you and learn these self-care routines and love them. So tell me a little bit of what you do for, I know you do a lot of things, but your self-care and how you incorporate her into those things. Yeah. Um, well, when I would say self-care is vital to me, I'm a better human, a better mama, a better coach. I just show up to the world better when I take care of myself. Um, it's also a really important thing I want to model to my girl. I want her to have the tools always to be able to take care of herself. Um, one thing I don't focus on actually is looks. Um, I've actually never called my daughter pretty cute or beautiful. I really want her worth to come from within. So I honor what she's doing. You know, if she picks out her clothes, I'm like, wow, I love the combination you picked out. That's so colorful. I bet those clothes are so comfortable. So we really um, emphasize on the the inner stuff, you know, that's going to make us shine from within and, and spread out. And I would never make a negative comment about myself you know, in front of my daughter, because I don't want her even to drop into that negative thinking. Um, I actually have a lot of self-care routines. Um, (laughs) One thing that I do every morning is I write in my gratitude journal. And I've always shared this with my daughter. I haven't hidden it from her or tried to do it without her. And it's really great. She's got a gratitude journal and she writes in it. And it's not every day, like a really important piece of this is to allow your child to kind of step to the plate whenever they are ready. As soon as we start setting expectations or really want them to do something or make them do something, it takes away their like authentic desire to show up when they want to show up. It's like anything else. Like we show up differently every day to have this like consistent expectation of our child to be like the same every single day. I don't think it really works. So I start my day with my gratitude journaling Um, then I do a meditation. Um, sometimes I've been on and off right now. I'm on like a 
55 day run of a specific meditation and um, I'll start it with cat cow and then get into the actual mantra I'm doing and my daughter will like climb on my lap or I think she really likes coming in at the end of the meditation because she's like ooh, mom's energy is all juicy let me sit on her lap (laughs) Um, I invite her and if she wants to come great and you know I have a little meditation nook in my room and Mm -hmm. she comes and joins um I also oil pull every morning it's really important to me and and Scarlett just knows we like sign to each other while I'm oil pulling and like yeah. she just understands me because I've been doing it so long. Yeah. Um, that's really great. And I'll skin brush with essential oils and she opens the oils for me and she drips them into my hand and she likes being a part of that process. Like obviously she's not skin brushing yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's some of my morning routine. Um, the most, probably the biggest part of self-care for me is my movement practice. Like I'm an ex-college athlete. Um, movement has always been a part of my life. Um, it keeps me sane. I'm like pizza energy. I need that like movement and fire. That's where like creativity and imagination come from with me. Mm-hmm. So I've actually been bringing my daughter to my gym for over two and a half years now. And uh, my gym's outside. It's really family oriented. And um, I just never had this expectation that I could only do kid things with my daughter. I want to be with her a lot. (laughs) I love her so much. And I wanted to create as many opportunities to be with my daughter as possible. Mm -hmm. I also didn't like the idea of like paying for childcare when I went Mm -hmm. to go work out. So I'm lucky that I live in California. My gym's outdoors and it's kid friendly. And there's some kids that just run around and, and Scarlett's been around there forever. Um, but probably my most, most favorite piece is, um, that my daughter and I go to Kundalini yoga, um, Mm -hmm. two times a week on Thursdays and Sundays. We have one teacher, Tej, that we absolutely love at Rama yoga Mm -hmm. and Scarlett's been going for years with me and she loves it. And normally she's the only kid in there. I mean, kids are always welcome. Um, but that's another opportunity where I never forced anything. And like some days she does yoga and some days she doesn't. And like one class, she literally did like the entire class on someone else's mat. And I actually have a video of it. And it's amazing. Wow. There's so many moments I wish I could catch like of her doing yoga and Kundalini, but it's yoga. It's Kundalini. I don't have my phone out. I don't want to like, you know, mess up our vibes or our mantras, but Um, she loves it and she falls asleep at the end of class during the meditation with like 50 conscious humans meditating around her Um, and it's the greatest gift I mean I love going to yoga with my girl it's like I get to go to yoga with my best friend and I get to cuddle and do yoga and love her and and just us time it's like we get this like deep connection so that's the thing I always talk about like think of ways that you can incorporate your children in your self-care activities. It doesn't always have to be separate. Sometimes it should be. Like, obviously, I go to float, and I do the infrared sauna, and, you know, I do lots of things. Sometimes I go hiking, but I want to bring her hiking, you know? But a lot of times that ends up with me carrying 45 pounds of a really steep hill. So yeah. <laughs> on you know your comfort level or we'll go for a walk or we'll go to the ocean like that's a self-care thing for us you know sometimes 
you know, there have been a few moments I was like really stressed out and I'm like in our PJs, I'm like, let's just go down to the beach. Let's put our feet in the water. Like there was one time we literally went in the water in our pajamas. I was like, this yeah. is just what's happening now. Yeah. Let's <laughs> take care of ourselves under yeah. the full moon right now. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. So I would say, um, in little bits, if you haven't, you know, from a very young age, introduced your child to your self-care activities, mm-hmm. do it a little bit. Don't, have an expectation of, I'm going to do an hour yoga class at home. My kid's going to be totally okay. You know, that's a big, that's a big ask, right? If you've never done that before, but in pieces, you know, and, and have the subtle expectation that maybe my kid will like this too, you know, doesn't need to be so separate because one day they're going to grow up and probably want to do a lot of these things. So yeah, self-care is essential in my book. (laughs) I know. I it's definitely something that so many mamas need that that encouragement and these words because we feel that self-care should be separate. And like you said, sometimes it does need to be depending what you're doing or maybe how you're feeling. But if I'm meditating by myself and doing yoga by myself and doing all these things by myself, my toddler doesn't understand, like Dominic doesn't understand what self-care is for me. And maybe for him, you know, in the future. And when I do do my yoga in front of him, I do it at home. That's how I'm doing it right now, for now. And I see him start to do some movements or he'll like come on top of me or he'll sit next to me. And so I realize he's watching me. Like he is watching me do these things. And it is taking that little by little. Like like you said, don't like just start, okay, I'm going to do an hour and they're just, you know, gonna have to just be there and they're gonna join and having the expectation of like okay you're gonna just join or sit still whatever it may be releasing the expectation and just doing little by little and when I talk about meditation and journaling and stuff like that so many moms want to do it and they don't know how and they feel like they have to have complete quiet and I don't know, candles around and just like a beautiful space. Let it be messy. Let it be dirty. Let Mm -hmm. it be like whatever it needs to be in that moment. I think flexibility and fluidity is really important being a parent um, and letting go to an attachment of something happening a certain way. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. it unravels in a really unique way, you know? And I think that's also modeling to our children like that they can have a role that we can be flexible that things can change you know like if it's always our way as the adult like we're literally teaching them oh look to me for like what we're gonna do versus mm-hmm. like I trust you I listen mm-hmm. to you I want to know what you say like tell me more yeah. you know that's how we cultivate that voice again right we've got to give them the stage if we're just constantly on the stage you know, then they're, they're in the audience, right? Mm-hmm. And the audience is just like, they're, they're not the creator, right? We need to cultivate ways for our children to be the creators. And if anything, like we should be in the audience, like watching mm-hmm. them, like we have so much to learn from them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. I completely agree. And I love that so much. Um, I love letting Dominic just like do his own thing. And it's so cool just to watch him. I'm like, whoa, (laughs) you know, it's really inspiring. Um, And we need play. Totally. You know, I think children aren't bored enough in today's world. You know, like a lot of us are like over scheduling, we're overstressed, we're overstimulated. I mean, 
being bored is important. Being able to cultivate independent play, you know, for our children to cultivate that is important. Um, being able to process feelings. My daughter wakes up in the morning and she just wants to play. I mean, we cuddle and sometimes we'll read a book or, you know, we'll do our self-care. But after that, like she goes off and she wants to play. She wants to start her day in her world. And it's such a gift to both of us. Like I'm making breakfast and packing our lunch and she's playing and I'll check in. But like she has this magical world that she gets to go back to all the time and she wants to go back to it. And that's one of the greatest gifts I've given her is to cultivate that independent play. And it was like, it was like work in the beginning. I literally was like, I am not going to interrupt this child unless like, like the fire alarm goes off, you know? So literally, unless like she had to eat or she went to the bathroom, I was like, I'm going to let this girl play Mm -hmm. until she's done playing. And that's how Mm -hmm. I cultivated these times. And by the time Mm -hmm. she was 18 months, she'd play for an hour and a half on her own. Mm-hmm. But I gave her that space. I didn't interrupt her to take a picture or interrupt her to give her a hug. Because, I mean, that's what I wanted to do sometimes because I loved her so much. But I was like, okay, is this actually for her or is this for me? And oftentimes when I'd ask myself that question, I'm like, okay, this is for me. Mm-hmm. I can wait. Let me just observe. And honestly, observing her play was magic. Like, I love, I still love watching my girl play. Like, seeing her in her own wonder you know, in the worlds that she goes to, it's magic. It's magic. I'm like, ooh, yes, let me tap back into some of my own magic, you know? We all still have our inner child inside of us, and most of us probably need to give that inner child a big, massive hug, you Mm -hmm. know? (laughs) Yeah, for a girl, for me, yeah. I get that message a lot, like, inner child, play, 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 because I, sometimes I feel that I'm like, oh, yeah, I am playing, like, I'm doing these, this or that, like, let's say meditation or something, and then it's like, no, Jessica, that is not play. That's not playing. Like that is still like you wanting everything to go a certain way, you know? And so, and a lot of times um, I see parents like, oh, I I don't know how to like play with my kid. I don't know what to do with my kid. And sometimes, like you said, it's just letting them do their thing Mm -hmm. and letting them be in their own world. And that's okay. You don't have to be there constantly with them. You can let them do their own thing if that's what they want to do. Nor do you want to. I mean, the whole idea of child-led and cultivating Mm -hmm. independence and cultivating individuality is giving your child space to lead, like let Mm -hmm. them lead and we follow their lead. Yeah. Um, So I think that's so important. And when we are constantly playing with our children, we're literally implanting ourselves, right? Contract. When you play, I play then how do we ever get a break as a parent, right? Like, I'm definitely not that parent that plays with their child all of the time. Yes, I do puzzles with her and I'll play sometimes and I'll drop in for a moment if she asks me to, but I am not implanting myself in my child's play because I am her caregiver. I have to do all of her caregiving stuff. So if I'm also her like best playmate, Mm-hmm. That, I mean, when do I get a break? That, that, <laughs> that would not work for me. Yes. So I think it's really important. And it's, it's a permission thing. I think in society, you know, we put like the mom that does everything up on a pedestal mm-hmm. and that doesn't work. Like we were meant to raise our children in community with support, mm-hmm. with help, not to do these like mono raising situations where it's just us doing everything. It's not sustainable. 
You know, this is why so many moms like don't actually recover post childbirth. You know, they're, they're strung out. Our brains aren't working. It's hard to, you know, string sentences together. We're <laughs> so defeated on sleep. We're not taking care of ourselves. Our relationships are falling apart. Like it's just not working. It doesn't work. And our children, like, yes, our children need to play. Like so many necessary skills are developed during that time. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's like literally what I see all the time. So I know everyone's going to love all these words <laughs> that you're saying because they are so good. <laughs> um, let's go a little into a younger younger kids because you're talking about 18-month-old and how she was playing on her own and whatnot. And so a lot of what I hear is mamas who are – who have toddlers going through the, I'm going to do quote unquote, because I know you're going to change, you're about to change this language up. Um, <laughs> uh, terrible twos, terrible threes, mm-hmm. right? And those big feelings. So what are some tips you have for that stage and for those mamas? Yeah, well, of course, you know, I wouldn't call it that. Um, <laughs> okay. I, you know, I'm a myth buster. And um, I don't believe that's necessary. Like I didn't experience that. And I also think it's mindset. You know, if like we're going in, oh, my kid's going to have terrible twos. We're literally setting them up, you know, for failure. Our children love us. They feel our nervous systems, especially mama and child. We're so connected. So if we're coming in and having this expectation, oh, when my kid turns two, he's going to start being terrible. They're literally like, okay, how can I raise up to my mom's expectation or my dad's expectation or my caregiver's expectation? Like they want to fulfill that. So that's the energy piece, like dropping that, dropping that expectation. And yeah, maybe, maybe it'll be hard. Maybe it won't like, but being like finite on one side of it doesn't make sense. And I believe the, we can minimize, I don't like the word tantrums, right? I don't, I don't buy into that. I don't think that needs to be part of everyone's world. Um, I've, I've never seen my daughter have one. Um, yes, she has big feelings sometimes, um, but it's something we move so gracefully through. So my mindset with younger children and when children are younger, and of course did this with my own child, is give them as much freedom to express their feelings as possible. So we were talking about limits and boundaries before, right? So we want to be consistent within the limits and the boundaries. This is where we stand firm, right? But within those limits and boundaries, you know what's allowed? Every single feeling. Every feeling is allowed. And the earlier you allow the full expression of feelings, I always had this mindset of like, I wanted to pull my daughter's feelings out, like, pull them out. And when I work with my families, I'm telling them just allow like all the feelings to come out. It's almost like you just want more, like you're pulling something out. And like, I want to get to the very end. So nothing lingers. Mm-hmm. My child can move fully through this experience and then be okay. Um, and I think that's so powerful, but the hardest piece of that is we as parents, as humans, as caregivers need to get need to be okay within our child's discomfort. So how do we find comfort? How do we find peace with when our child is unraveling? That's a really hard thing as a society. When someone is upset, we want to fix it. We want it to go away. It's most likely triggering something within us that is making us feel uncomfortable. 
And a lot of times this is why we instantly try to soothe children. You know, it's okay to be there. You want to be close. You want to be present. You want to validate their feelings, but we don't need to fix it. We don't need to make it go away. We don't need to tell them they're okay. Like, like, please, you know, that's like, I, I want like a billboard. That's like, there's no need to tell your child to stop crying and it's okay. Cause in that moment, it's not okay for them. And like, when we're upset, when we're crying, do you want to hear it's okay? No, that just minimizes our feelings. Yeah. We want someone like, I, I hear you. Yeah. That sounds like a lot. Like you're really upset. I love you. I'm here for you. Like that's how a friend would talk to someone. They wouldn't say, Oh, don't worry about that. You're fine. <laughs> you, you wouldn't be friends with that person anymore. He's like, okay, I did not get anything out. That is not my girl. My oxytocin did not go up. My hormones are not balanced because that friend did not work for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's mindset because um, our children constantly want to come into our expectations. It's um, like our energy of are we, co- are we comfortable you know, and when we tell our child, like, they're okay, literally what we're programming in them is, I'm not okay when you're angry. Don't be angry around me. It's too much. Then the next time the child's angry, a lot of times they're stuffing that feeling back down into themselves. Then they're scared and alone with that feeling because what they've learned in that contract, right, is when I get really angry, mom gets upset. I don't want mom to get upset, so I'm not going to be angry, so I'm going to deal with my feelings on my own. Mm-hmm. And no two or three-year-old should be left to deal with their feelings on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So many truth bombs on that. And I was definitely the the parent who was like, it's okay. And it's, I'm focusing on, tra- on changing that and transitioning because it's like a go-to, you know? It's just like, oh, it's okay, you know? And sometimes it's because I'm to call it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes it's because I'm overwhelmed or I'm tired, you know? And I do want to talk a little bit about that because I'm seeing this a lot where um, women are having children much closer together. Um, and, <laughs> like I feel like all, um, like almost all my friends have kids, like our, my kids' ages. It's, it's crazy, you know? And I have my own reasons for doing that. But I feel that it was definitely tough when I had a newborn and a toddler, a two-year-old with these big feelings. So what tips would you give for moms who are going through that stage of life? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, first I wanted to backpedal because you said when moms are having a hard time, um, and, and the child's unraveling, right? Mm-hmm. It's really important for us to state our personal boundaries in those moments too. Mm-hmm. You know, like we can have an edge. Our child can have all of their feelings and we can have feelings at the same time. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Like if we're supporting our child, that doesn't mean we have no feelings. So say like a child's like really, really crying, you know, they're really in it and it's been like a long time and the parent's The thing is, if you start at a very young age, it most likely won't happen, right? This is kind of when you go back and we're trying to like change the contracts, which is very common, right? Most of my families were going back and we're changing things and it's so possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've literally worked with like, you know, pre-birth all the way to a 19 and a 21 year old child, you know, because our teenage years come back to our toddler years. And a lot of those things that weren't kind of worked out in the toddler years come back in the teenage years. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for us to vocalize our limits. Um, So sometimes like, I really want to be here for you. 
I really want to support you. And I'm starting to feel like maybe I need some space. You know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, and then you'd like whatever will work for your child. You know, I don't want to give like general language. I, I really like specific language, but maybe it's the child is in their bed and they're crying and, and you need a break. Like, I really want to support you. You know, soon it's feeling like I'm going to need a break. Um, you know, please, like I honor all of you, whatever, depending on the age of the child, then you walk out of the, and, and you would say, soon I'm going to walk out. I'm just going to go to the bathroom. Or I'm just going to go get a glass of water. Like this is where we kind of instill our boundary, you know? And then you say, and I'm going to come back and check on you. So you never want it to be a punishment. You always want that last piece, like, and I'll come back, you know, um, with our child. So dealing with a newborn and um, a two-year-old, I think a really important piece of self-care you know, having your community in place, mm-hmm. having your nourishment in place, um, actually recovering post baby. We are in such a sleep deprived, you know, malnourished state in many cases that it's re- our nervous system is like hanging on by a thread. So it's really hard for us to show up and be this like conscious parent mm-hmm. if we're not whole. So wholeness is number one. And and that's a priority. So if you can, and mind you, I know a lot of these are luxuries, you know, but maybe friends and family and still a food train, like have your whole support system set up like way more than you would even think. You know what I mean? Like this is the time that we need. I don't even like the word selfish, but I feel like people would relate to that. Like be selfish, like make it about you. Like this is what I need. And obviously the needs of your newborn are going to be way less demanding emotionally mm-hmm. than the needs of your two-year-old if you have a young child. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's so many pieces to this answer. Yeah. One is obviously like, you know, how are you raising your two-year-old initially? Have you been honoring their emotions? Have you been walking them through these big transitions before they happen? Mm-hmm. Transitions, period, are tough for kids. Like, they can't, like, stop and pivot as quickly as we can. Like, yeah. even a transition of, I'm sure most, you know, parents out there know, Uh, Like just even picking up your kids from school and getting them into the car. That's a transition, right? Leaving the house. That's a transition. A new baby. That's a massive transition, right? So I think it's really important. One piece that helps with that is to reconnect with your child before asking anything of them. That's a really important piece. Preparing them for the transition well before baby comes And another piece that I love around like the sibling is giving them permission to have whatever relationship they initially need to have with that baby, with that sibling that they want. Like if they need to hate their sibling, let them hate their sibling, you know, like it's most likely not going to happen forever. But the more that we force this perfect relationship between siblings, the more that that older child is going to fall farther and farther below the expectation of their parents. And they're going to feel that. So not only are they losing the full attention, you know, of their parents, but now they're like, you know, they're, they're not meeting expectations. They're not allowed to feel their feelings. I mean, this is a really big question. No. Those are some yeah. kind of three main pieces. So really prepare your child for this, really allow the full expression of their emotions, find moments to, connect with your older child, always reconnect before requesting something. So like, if you need to ask your older child to do something like go in, 
make eye contact, smile at them, give them a hug, like have a moment of reconnecting. Our children need that. It's like a plug-in. They need to plug back into us, be like, oh, you're here. You love me. You got my back. Cool. I can get your back now. What do you need? You know what I mean? And obviously they're not saying that, but it's easier for them to do a task or to hear what you're saying to them if they feel connected. Children need that. We all need that, right? We're in a state of like massive disconnection right now to ourselves, to like humanity. It's because, you know, technology, we're in this like new wave and we don't really know what a world with this much technology looks like. We're in the thick of it, right? So um, I would say that. And then I think a big piece that's not talked about is giving permission to the older sibling to not like the scenario. That's okay. That's part of that full expression of emotions and feelings. So if they need to get it out that they're not happy and they don't like that, let them go in with it. Yeah, I hear. Yeah, you're really frustrated that your, you know, your baby sister is crying. You didn't like, you know, but only we don't want to put words ever in our child's mouth is a big thing. We don't want to, we don't want to tell them how they're feeling. We don't want to tell them how the scenario went. We just want to listen the same way we observe, you know, and to meet our child, we listen to our child and we say those things back to them in our own way. Mm-hmm. That's how we validate. That's how we hear. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's a stepping stone to empathy and compassion yeah. too. Yeah. I love that about that phase that some children, not all children go through where they don't like their sibling. And my son went through that and he literally would not look at my daughter when she was born. And uh, no one told me that that was possible. Like they're like, oh yeah, my, my kid didn't like, you know, my, our, our son or daughter, the second baby. Yeah. And so he literally like would not look at her. Um, the first day he wouldn't go inside the room. The second day he wouldn't look at her. The third day he would like just stand next to her, but like back turned. But we left that space for him to do that. We weren't like here, like love your baby sister. Like this is hot, you know, we just let it be. And then one day, I think it took about a week. I was breastfeeding her and he came up and like, I had her next to me and like, he went and hugged her and then like gave her a kiss. (laughs) And we were like, whoa. And it was out of nowhere, but it's like, we let him have that space to just get into the transition and, and just honor his feelings with it, you know, cause it was big for him. Like you said, I mean, that's huge <laughs> compared to like, oh, look, we're leaving the house. Like that's a transition. So a human, another human being coming in and taking our attention and all of these different things I can't even imagine. I mean, it's a big transition for us. <laughs> Yeah, you let him ease into the situation in a way that he felt comfortable. And mm-hmm. one reason he probably hugged and kissed her was he was watching how you guys were interacting with the baby. Mm-hmm. Our children are always watching us, right? They're going to do what we do yep. way more than, you know, what we say yeah. all the time. Yeah. They are watching us. Yeah. And they are mirrors, right? They're great. Like, if we see a behavior in our child that we don't like. It's a great question to ask. Like, I wonder where this is stemming from. Yep. How am I playing a role in this? That self-awareness is powerful, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of just like the blame and the shame game, which, Mm -hmm. you know, we kind of didn't talk about that, but that's like another piece of my work is removing guilt and shame from parenting. Mm -hmm. There's so much shaming happening on even super subtle levels. And this is part of the programming that's happening to our children 
that is basically developing and cultivating their self-worth. It's why I believe so many people have a hard time like finding healthy relationships and success and, you know, truly allowing themselves to be happy. Like that self-worth piece is not something that's intentionally cultivated in those children. Yeah. Well, definitely time's going fast and um, you have so much good stuff, you know, um, to say about these things. And I know that everyone, our listeners are definitely going to, you know, take this and practice it into, you know, their lives and whatnot, because it is parenting is, it doesn't have to be what we as society make it out to be. You know, like hard, the terrible twos, this, three nagers. That's what I was going to say. Not terrible threes, the three nagers. And it's like you said, like you don't, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. We can have a beautiful relationship with our children, you know, and I love that you model that, you know, on your, on your social media and you model that and it's a beautiful thing. So, you know, thank you for that. Um, all right. So let's get into, I have just a a couple more questions because I definitely want to honor your time. Um, one thing I want to ask about, I love this and I really want our audience to hear about this. I was watching your Insta stories. I probably responded to it. Um, your daughter was washing dishes. (laughs) And so you guys, her daughter's four, almost five, and she was washing dishes and it was the cute, the cutest thing because she was so intentional with it. And one thing that parents have quote unquote issues with is chores. I know you're probably going to change that language up too, but chores, right? And it's like, how do you get your kid to clean up or how do you get your kid to wash dishes as they grow up or whatever it may be? Um, So what are some of your tips there? Yeah. So again, it comes back to modeling um, (laughs) and allowing our children to engage when they want to engage. The more that we force something, the more our child is going to resist. It's a healthy reaction. You know, it's like anything else. If someone is making you do something, you most likely don't want to do it. It's not yours, you know? And then like a defensiveness comes up and like no one wants to be controlled and most people want to be an active participant in their own life. Um, So my daughter is pretty amazing at, you know, so many things around the house because Mm -hmm. I've never made her do anything, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I've always allowed her to join in. And this is kind of where it gets a little messy and tricky because allowing, you know, an 18 month old, a two year old to join in, we have to be willing for it to look different. We have to be willing to slow down Mm -hmm. because as soon as we have the expectation that they should be doing it the way we're doing it, we're putting an expectation on them. Right. And then we take the fun out of it for them. This is also a mindset. Like, quote unquote, chores around the house could be fun. It's just things. It's just another moment. They get to do something with mom or do something with dad, you know, or do something with a caregiver. So I've always left space for her to join in. Um, and she wants to be around me. Like we are our children's favorite people. Like we may forget that sometimes, you know, like when we're having a really hard time, but our children idolize us. They 
want nothing but us to be happy. It's why our children take on all of our insecurities and fears and all that. They're like, I love you so much. I'll take all of your baggage on for you. So why don't we give them the opportunity to like, why don't we clear out our baggage so they don't have to do that? Or why don't we give them permission to not, to not have to do that? So sometimes it looks different. Sometimes I have to really slow down and the dishes take a long time. I mean, now that she's older, it's kind of amazing. I can walk away and she finishes the dishes. It was <laughs> yeah. Um, so. But like laundry, she loves doing laundry. She yeah, loves yeah. the clothes in the laundry machine. She loves putting the soap in. Mm-hmm. She loves taking all the clothes into her room as we're folding it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she loves picking out her clothes. I think it's really respectful to put all of our children's things at their level. So my, my daughter's, you know, whole life, she's always been out, like ever since she was a toddler, obviously when she was a baby, she wasn't doing it. Mm-hmm. But as a toddler, she's always had access to all of her toys. And so that's a good thing. Like, do we have too many toys that if we gave access to our child? So that's an interesting thing to revisit. Mm-hmm. But she has access to all of her clothes. So she can go pick out the things if she so chooses. And I always give her a choice. Do you want me to, do you want me to pick out your clothes or do you want to pick them out? You know, do you want, you know, are you, do, and we don't want to ask yes or no questions unless we're a hundred percent okay with the no. So you always want to give a child a choice if it's something you're completely set on um, and not at like, if you have to go to the store and you ask your child, do you want to go to the store? And they're like, no, like, where do you go from there? Like, you know, you're in a corner. Completely okay. So yeah. if you have to go to the store, you'd be like, Oh, we're going to the store. Do you want to put on your shoes or do you want me to? Mm-hmm. So you give them a choice. You let them be independent and you let them have a role. And that's kind of the same thing with the chores. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to clean up now. You know, do you want to put the blocks away or the magnetiles away, you know, but also that's kind of a, a tier of an expectation mm-hmm. for me, like around cleaning up, like I would make it fun. You know, I had a time to tidy song and if she wanted to clean up, she could. Sometimes I'll be like, I really need you to clean up right now. Like, there's a lot of things. But I literally didn't say that until she was much older. So she loves cleaning up. She cleans up her things all the time. And we talk about it. You know, I give her reasons why. Not just, like, you should clean up, right? Because that's, like, kind of a dictator. I'm like, you know, it's not safe for all these toys to be out in the hallway. If I walk by, I could trip over and hurt my body. And she loves that. Children loves that. Like, give them a respectful reason why this works for your household in a really gentle way. And don't make them do it initially. I'm going to clean these up because it's not safe for them to be in the hallway. I don't want anyone to trip on them. And then you have to, with a boundary, you have to be willing to say it over and over and over again. But I think including them and not having the expectation of they have to do it. Most children will want to rise to the occasion and do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Children always want to do what we're doing, right? It's why, like, if we're, yeah, they always want to do what we're doing. Always. I know. One thing that my toddler says now is, um, do you, you want to help? Want to help? Because I let him, I, I give him space to help me do things. So I say, I'm always like, do you want to help? Do you want to help? And things that, you know, I, I feel that he can do and are safe, you know? So he'll make him, he'll make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He'll take all, all the stuff. He, I, so I had him washing dishes one day after I saw your daughter doing it. I was like, oh, you know, he can do like, if, if the sink's not full in like a few dishes, you know? And he was just standing there just like playing with the water. And he was just, it was just fun for him. And then afterwards we ate and he was okay with that. Like he was like, okay, but like, it was fun. And now every time I'm near the sink, he's like, 
want to help? Want to help? Because he wants to help. That's his, his way of saying it. And so I just love, it's so cool because they do, they want to, they do want to help. They, if you live, if you leave them that space and not make it that expectation of we have to do this, you know, and then explaining, it's just like, I explained to him about toys. Okay. These toys are really small baby sister. She can eat them. So I'm going to pick them up and put them here. So now he takes his smaller toys and he puts them up. He knows that they can't be around because she can put them in her mouth. And he understands that, but it's not like pick up your toys because if I said that, he wouldn't get it. He, why, like, why? why? Why is she yelling at me to pick up my toys? Yeah, and energetically, it wouldn't feel good to him. Yeah, yeah. We want to enter into situations where it feels good, mm-hmm. you know? And we feel re- like we all as humans want to be respected and honored and cherished. I mean, these are yeah. like deep, you know, human needs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. So, all right, let's get into our last uh, few questions because I know we're running out of time here. So these are the questions that I ask every um, guest on the Uncensored Mom podcast. So one of them is, what's something you wish you knew about motherhood and postpartum life that no one ever told you? Hmm. And I always I like to add, this is like beyond the, the make the patsicles and make some freezer meals that surface level stuff you know (laughs) I think um I think probably the biggest thing I wish I had in place pre-motherhood was a massively connected community to help me raise my girl um yeah I think the Mm -hmm. hardest piece for me was this like big solo aspect Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think that's the way we're designed to raise humans. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wish someone beforehand had been like, let's get your community set. Let's get your people surrounding you so that, you know, when she comes, you have support. You mm-hmm. have the, the people you need to, to go and talk about. I think, you know, for me, one of the greatest things I struggle with is like not having someone to like share the magic of like raising this child with like, I love my child so much. I literally think she is magic. Like she is for sure the greatest gift I've ever received, like in this lifetime. And I want to celebrate her with other people. And that's the hardest piece. Like, cause Mm -hmm. yeah, I want to celebrate her. And I wish, um, I've been working on it. My community is growing more and more and more, but I wish I had that from the beginning from the beginning amazing you know completely agree and I see that a lot so yeah I completely we were definitely we're in huts and tribes and stuff you know helping each other and and we've lost that so I I completely agree um second question is what a message if you could send a message to yourself 10 years ago what would you tell the younger you (laughs) (laughs) wall street me I can't believe you were in Wall Street. (laughs) Like you said that, I was like, "What?" It's like, like one (laughs) eighty. So, but yeah, go ahead. ahead. Very different. Was always me, but you know, I was an ex-athlete, the finance, like that competitive world. I liked it. Yeah. Um, I would have told you know, twenty-seven-year-old me, save all of your money. Like none of those material (laughs) things matter because you know having like I think one thing that's missing is um, a high level of wealth consciousness and how we're raising our children 
I don't think most children are educated around that. There are these like really big general statements, like, you know, don't spend all your money in one place, save your money. But like, I'm going to educate my daughter and like, this is how you balance a checkbook. This is how you start a savings account. This is how much you should be putting away. Always pay off your credit card balances in full. Like if you start saving a hundred dollars a month at age 17 versus, you know, when most people in America start saving, like you'll have millions when you get older versus, you know, I'm going to show her these things and elevate her wealth consciousness. Another thing I've done with her and, you know, I wish someone did with me is, you know, I don't get into the conversation of like, oh, we can't afford that. You know, it's not, Mm -hmm. I set limits. Like my daughter doesn't get a lot of things at all. She doesn't even ask for a lot of things because Mm -hmm. we don't, like I, we're not material people. It's not important to me. So it's not important to her. I mean, she's asked me for like three things in probably her whole life. (laughs) But the way I change that, you know, if she really wants something, I'm like, oh yeah, we're not going to get that now. Or I don't want to get that now. We could maybe get that another time. Or, you know, I just set boundaries around it. Actually don't say we, I talk directly like you know I and you because who's we yeah Uh, but yeah so 10 year ago me I would have um especially on Wall Street (laughs) I would have been like go away so that Mm -hmm. you can have less stress about supporting your child Mm -hmm. Uh, because you know I do juggle that I try to be this like full-time super present mom I didn't even have a babysitter until Scarlett was 18 months old and I run my business Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot and, you know, I like to, you know, yeah. provide everything for my daughter and that's the life that, you know, I'm giving her and, um, I'm so grateful for that, yeah. you know? Yeah. I completely agree with that. The whole money thing, the, I always very, I am mindful of my words around money because of my past and things that I've had to release and whatnot and my memories. And it's like a kid puts money in their mouth. It's like money's dirty. Well, they don't, they just hear money's dirty. They, 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 their subconscious thinks money's dirty. That's a really big thing. And so I'm very mindful about that, about what I say about money and about, you know, when we're getting things like we don't, I never say we don't have the money for that. So that's yeah. definitely something oh, we do. Oh, you're really wanting that. Oh, you yeah. really want that toy. Uh-huh. And then you, then you get in conversation. Oh, well, your birthday's coming up. Yeah. You get that toy soon, you know, uh-huh. and you, we start, you know, educating our children what saving looks like, you know, and, yeah. and get into a more conscious conversation around that. And yeah. I love that you brought up the subconscious and the dirty, you know, that's a really mm-hmm. important thing, especially around diapers and changing diapers. Like uh-huh. so many parents or caregivers will be like, oh, stinky poo-poo, time to change a dirty diaper. Mm-hmm. Like a child, it's really hard for a child to like disassociate those two things from them. So like they feel like they're dirty. They feel like they're stinky. So you should always focus on like the positive. Oh, I saw you went potty. I want to get you into a clean diaper. I know you'll feel more comfortable. You know, like not this. It's always like, I think a good checking point is like, would you say this to another human? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That is absolutely. And that's what I do. I, I say, um, how would this make me feel? You know, and I, I speak to my husband, how would that make you feel? And that like kind of brings it back, you know, so love that. All right. So what is one thing you would like our listeners to remember you for? Oh, man. Um, honestly, um, I, a wish that I have would be in the thick of any heated moment 
if I could somehow come to their memory for them to take a breath and to create some space and awareness around, is this mine or is this my child's? And I think just that can change the trajectory, you know, uh, the direction Mm-hmm. of so many scenarios with our children. And I think it could shift and change a lot of uncomfortable, you know, feelings afterwards. So many parents react, right, and feel so guilty after. And then not only do we have to deal with our children's feelings, but we're feeling like how awful we feel. So well, yeah. in addition to me believing that kindness, I think is underrated in this world and to just mm-hmm spread more kindness uh, mm-hmm. and to be kind and gentle with yourself first and foremost. The other is if like I could be remembered in the heat of the moment to pause and take a breath and breathe and wait and then to respond. I just think that's a gift that would like keep on giving. That's beautiful. I, I, I absolutely love that. One thing I do that's similar to that. Well, I do pause. And I mean, I make mistakes, so it's not all the time. Um, but I put my hand on my heart and I just imagine light coming from my, from my hand. And I'm like, I just instill my heart and I just breathe. And I'm like, this is not who I am. I am love and I am light. This is not who I am. And it reminds me that yelling and the screaming, whatever it was that I was doing, or maybe how I was feeling, maybe I didn't react, but maybe just even the thoughts, it just brings me back. Like that, that is not who I am. Yeah. And it's okay to have sadness. It's okay to have darkness. That's who we are. Yin and yang, dark and light. Mm -hmm. Like we, you know, we're going through the era of like us not being able to express our emotions. So being scared of our darkness, which is actually part of who we are, but we just need to how much darkness do we want to shed on our child, right? Healthy boundaries, crying in front of them, getting a little frustrated, yeah. getting a little upset, but not raging yeah. on our children. We take our rage elsewhere. That's where our self-care comes in. Yeah. You know, like rolling up all the windows in the car and screaming at the top of our lungs alone. Like, get it out. Like, we are dark humans just as much as we are light humans. And that is what makes us whole. And it's yeah. permission for us to like get into that, like really sometimes uncomfortable space. Mm -hmm. I love that you brought that up that I brought up the light, but that dark, like I've done that. I've gone to my car and screamed before and spent five minutes. I have broken down and I actually did Insta stories. And then I had posted the video on Facebook of me breaking down and crying because I wanted people to see that. And my son saw it and it wasn't me angry. It was just me breaking down. I was overwhelmed and I had to cry. And then I felt better. And then I spent a weekend at, the, at a hotel with my husband and it was nice. So, you know, I was like, this is what I need. And it was great. So I love that you did bring that up, that, that darker side. That's, that's, we, we are that yin and yang encompassing both sides. So thank you for that message. I know just breathe and remember your voice. <laughs> remember that message. You know, everyone needs to go back, scroll back and just like record that message on your phone. <laughs> Because that's beautiful. All right. So, um, Tamara, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Where can we find you so that everyone else can go ahead and uh, quote unquote stalk you the way I do? (laughs) Yeah. Well, my company is Welly Nest, W-E-L-L-Y, and then Nest, like where a bird would live. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Instagram mostly. Um, and my website is just wellingness.com. Um, there's lots of ways to engage with me either on social media or I work privately with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the majority of my work is privately with families. I work remotely. I have clients all over the world, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're local to LA, my next eight week, um, conscious parenting series is coming up on, I think, September 18th, I want to say. And that'll be an eight-week series of circling up um, with mamas and really supporting them through this work. It'll be at Woman's Space in Culver City, which is magic if you haven't been there. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where you can find me. I mean, I do do workshops and speak on panels, but that's mostly locally here around LA. Um, But I do travel sometimes. So, you know, just follow me on social media and you'll probably get that information. Yeah. Everyone definitely go follow her because she, I love, love your stuff. It's just so amazing. All of the work that you do. And it is, I sometimes just go to your Instagram as just like, if I'm not having a really a great day, you know, with my children that day, it's like a reminder, like to center myself, just looking at just stories and stuff and like, okay, breathe. <laughs> so I just love all the work you do. And I'm really glad that um, you stepped into your purpose and your calling because you are very magical. So thank you for that. Um, All right. So I'm sorry that I went over a little bit of time. I really want to honor your time. This was just such an amazing conversation. And I would love to have you back on the podcast in the future when we can get our schedule synced up again, because this was a really great conversation. And I know that... Oh, everyone's going to just love it. <laughs> everyone's just, I just, all, everything that you said was just so, so powerful. So you guys just, yeah, go follow her and definitely look into, you know, coaching with you and whatnot, because you do some great work. <laughs> we all need, we all need you, you know, in our lives for sure. Your, your words of wisdom. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. So, so this work. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today and for sharing your beautiful words of wisdom. (laughs) You are so welcome. Thank you again. (laughs) Thank you. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Did you love this episode? If yes, share it with a friend, family member, stranger, or whoever you think will find this episode helpful. Leave me a review on iTunes and let me know your honest thoughts, takeaways, and questions. It would mean so much to me. Love y'all and remember, you are enough and you get to have it all. Talk to you next time.